From COK Studios in Robert Krulwich's attic, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Mada Magolis. On today's show, we'll consider what the release of the Apple Watch means for the future of wearable technology. We'll also consider a new installment of our interview series, Considerations, with NPR's Terry Gross. And we'll consider who I need to bone to get a raise around here. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from The Harry Box, delivering designer wigs right to your door. Keep the wigs you want, send back the ones you don't. The Harry Box. Ask about our new line of cruelty-free Merkins. And the collection plate at church. We swiped a couple of 20s while Father Mark wasn't looking. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Mata Magolis. Last week, Apple unveiled the Apple Watch, and it comes with a hefty price tag, anywhere from $350 all the way up to $10,000. Some analysts predict that Apple's entry will jumpstart the fledgling wearable tech industry in a big way. Back in November, we did a story on wearable technology and profiled SheTech, a company that is pioneering wearables for women. It appears as if more companies are jumping on the wearable tech bandwagon after seeing the excitement over Google Glass, the Apple Watch, and SheTech's smart tampon, the iBleed. Our own Cordell Nutbrock spoke to Monica Trant of Technosphere magazine to get a sneak peek at what other internet and tech companies are developing wearable technology. The wearable tech category is becoming increasingly competitive as evidenced by how many well-known companies are coming out with products. That's right, Cordell. You're going to see a lot more stuff coming out this year. Google Glass is a very niche item, but the success of the Apple Watch and the iBleed show that people are willing to embrace wearable smart technology. I'm wearing my iBleed as we speak. Uh, yuck. Can we move on, please? Sure. First, we have the Pinterest coat. As you can see, it's a long overcoat with tons of pockets both inside and out. The coat links to your Pinterest account and reminds you when you see something that can be used in something you've pinned. Then you can save whatever that item is in any one of the 45 smart pockets. Yeah, I, you know, I'm afraid I don't really understand Pinterest, but do go on. For example, I was walking along the beach the other day and my Pinterest smart coat reminded me that I had pinned these cool driftwood earrings, so it alerted me and I picked up some driftwood on the beach and put it in one of the pockets for later. The coat also reminded me to get the ingredients for this sour cream avocado face scrub I pinned while I was at the store. It's great. I suppose. And just like your pin boards, the pockets will hold all of the stuff you plan to do for weeks, months, or years at a time. Well, what else have you got? Here are the eBay and Amazon smart wallets. When they sense that you're drunk, they automatically buy crap that you don't need. Oh, that's very practical. This next one will be huge in the gay community, the Grindr jockstrap. It vibrates every time someone messages you on Grindr. So if you're at the bank and your crotch starts vibrating, you know that someone nearby wants to have sex with you. Plus, it's a vibrating jockstrap, which acts as a... I get it. Thank you. (laughs) We should have sent our LGBT correspondent, Trevin Motley, to test that one out. Too late. I'm already here. It works great, by the way. Here we have the Tinder wedding ring. It turns invisible as you slip it on your finger so that people you flirt with from Tinder don't know you're married. I'm sure that one comes in handy. Oh, it does. I'm wearing one right now, Cordell. I'll take your word for it. Monica, thanks for taking the time today. It was my pleasure. 
Codell joins us in the studio now. Codell, it seems like these new pieces of wearable technology are cool, but how useful are they? Uh, very. If wearable technology is going to be successful, it needs to do what so much of our technology already does. Such as? Well, help us meet people, have sex, and accumulate and buy things we don't really need or want. I suppose so. Now, I see that you're wearing the new model of Google Glass. That's right. Does that model do anything new? Uh, no. It just makes me look like a douchebag. Very true. That was senior reporter Cordell Nutwak. Now we turn to our interview series, Considerations. We're so excited that NPR's Terry Gross is back with us. Today she'll talk with popular sci-fi and fantasy author Phil Kamen about his latest book. I'm Terry Gross, and this is Considerations. Today we have best-selling sci-fi and fantasy author Phil Kamen. He is best known for his dark stories centering on mythology, as well as his playful public image. Mr. Kamen, welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Delightful to be here. Phil, let's start with your new bestseller, Medusa of Ohio. In this tale, the central character is held back from close relationships based on the fact she has snakes for hair and can turn people to stone. The snakes, of course, are a metaphor for the pressures of the female beauty myth created by society. What? No, no they're, they're snakes. Snakes that can represent the way a woman's hair can completely take over her life. No, no snakes that are reptiles? Ah, showing the foreignness of the body some women feel. No, snakes that are actually not a part of her body. Showing how she's oh. overcome with the pressures of her life. No, showing that she's a Gorgon, a remnant of a mythological time who happens to live in Akron. Oh, Akron. So many connotations there. I take it you've never been to Akron. In the end of the book, Medusa must choose between her extremely lucrative statue business and the man she loves, who she was planning to turn into a statue. Did you start this book wanting to write about the difficulty women face with the work-life balance? No, I started this book wanting to write about Medusa. Because she is such an excellent allegory for wanting to have it all. Where, where are you possibly getting that? On one hand, wanting to rule the world, and on the other, just wanting someone to run their fingers through her hair. Snakes. I think we already agreed those are metaphorical snakes. No, they're real snakes. In an analogic way. Okay, back to the ending of the book. When Medusa decides on love, but then accidentally turns Murray to stone after taking out her contact lenses, what were you going for there? Well, I was trying to... Show how women can't escape their work ethic even though they try to trade it off for a fulfilling relationship. No. That sometimes relationships just don't work no matter how much work you put into them. No. That women must always give more of themselves to maintain a healthy relationship, or they will end up pushing their partner no, away. That no, contact no. lens safety is key not only for optical health, but for overall well-being. Sure, that, that one. Oh, so many layers. Let's talk about your first film script. Lorelei was about a small boy trapped in a closet where he played with nothing but sock puppets and half a sandwich. While he could hear life going on around him, he was unable to actually interact until the mole people found him. 
Yes, I wanted to show the isolation of childhood, the importance of imagination, and the healing nature of friendship. For instance, the monocle Sir Morris Mole wears... Really? I thought it was just one big dick joke. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks to my guest, Phil Kamen. This has been Considerations. I'm Terry Gross. That's all for this episode of Consider Our Knowledge. If you'd like more from the best-looking news team in public radio, go to our website, considerourknowledge.com, for more news and stories. You can also follow us on Twitter, at ConsiderOurKnow, and like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast at iTunes and at Stitcher Radio at Stitcher.com. If you'd like to support Consider Our Knowledge, and we hope that you do, please consider making a $5 monthly donation to your favorite NPR parody podcast, via our website at the Support COK button. We're hoping to get 100 supporters in celebration of our 100th episode, which is coming up next week. The Consider Our Knowledge team includes Emily Clausen, Natalie Thorpe, Jeremiah Knight, Hobart Willis, Marianne Wetzel, Spencer Cannon, and Libby Mitchell. A very special thanks this week to Amanda Holty and our intern, the incomparable Ryan Shattuck. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Connor Bentley. Too late! I'm already here. It works great, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. This is no laugh, because okay. it sounds really good. Okay. Yeah, it did. It sounds really good. <laughs>